Hello, and welcome back to season four of the second chapter. I hope you're enjoying season four so far, and if you are, please share with a friend. As usual, I'd love to get the word out to as many people as possible, and your word of mouth is our best advertisement. Thank you so much. In this week's short episode, I'm resuming my conversation with Janet Sternberg. Janet is a multifaceted artist who's been a writer, a photographer, a theater maker, and an educator, to name a few of her chapters. This week, we talk more about I've Been Walking, Janet Sternberg, Los Angeles Photos, which is being released on the 21st of October, and what Janet thinks the next chapter might hold. I still write. I am a side-by-sider, not a one-to-the-other. But photography just became a whole lot of joy. Amongst all these other things you're doing, in 1998, I believe it was, you start this parallel life as a photographer. You're missing a chapter. After the earthquake, the trustees said to us, you are very tired, in effect. Why don't you go away for a while? Because it was exhausting. And part of the six months we spent in a wonderful town in Mexico called San Miguel de Allende. It, it was just a very remarkable time. When I got back, I quit all my jobs and settled down to write the book that was in me, not a book of other people's thoughts, my own, and what I really had to write. And that was such a big deal. Words fail. Since then, there have been three other books of writing and two books of photography. So my saying wait a minute, you're not the woman who does everything. You are, in the broadest sense, and this includes being a writer, you're an artist. And this is what you're supposed to be doing. So the earthquake changed pretty much everything. And so you asked about photography. I did. One of the reasons I'm really fascinated with your photography is because hearing you talk about New York and then losing that love of New York Your photography, when I look at it, is so L.A. You've taken photography all over the world, but so much of it has a stamp, a love letter almost to L.A. in my mind. My new book, which I should be talking about, is called I've Been Walking, Janet Sternberg, Los Angeles Photographs. I'm assuming you're talking about the photographs on my website that leads you to say it. The only connection I can make is... Just my deep love for and openness to color. That's obviously very much part of Los Angeles. And New York is a kind of well-tailored gray suit. As is London. Is that so tell me what else you saw that made you think of LA? Because I'm Um, about to tell you how it started, which was in Mexico, but you go on. You tell me. Actually, one of the photos I'm thinking of is Mexico, I think. It's a wall in Mexico. But the colors have a vibe to me that feels L.A. And then there's also At the Seashore, which was one of my photos I really loved. I feel like the colors and the palm trees and there was a window of mannequins with bikinis. They just gave me, I think, mostly the color. But there was something that was very L.A. to me. I will tell you that the bikini one was shot on 2nd Avenue in New York. So it is what you're talking about is a way of seeing, I think. But I would like to just back up and say there is one very L.A. thing about this, and that is freedom. Now, Mm. once again, I have to 
making interstices here. We're not talking about freedom from want, freedom from needing money. We're not talking about that kind of freedom now. We're talking about the fact that L.A. lets you do what you want to do. It uh, doesn't critique. Sometimes it feels like it doesn't care. But we go back to the fact that when I started, back to that in a minute, but right now to the point of freedom, I did not have a camera. I got a disposable camera, a one-shot, one, you know, throwaway. And that revealed a lot to me. But when I came back to Los Angeles, I continued to use the disposable for quite a number of years. And it gave me something that I wanted. And at that point, I was blowing the images up to... 66 inches high, a disposable, mm-hmm. yes, in galleries. And they were sold. I mean, they, they had a, a life, a professional life. The point is that I felt free to go mm. on using this eccentric way of taking pictures. And maybe if I were younger, maybe if I were at CalArts and getting an MFA, maybe because it's later in life, at that point I was full-flourishing middle age. now I'm older, let's just say. But whatever those reasons were, there was a kind of freedom about photography that I know Los Angeles contributed to. No one's looking over your shoulder. It's, it, there's a kind of, just do it. Going back, though, to that first photograph, which is actually now in the collection of the USC University of Southern California Fisher Museum of Art, so it hit right away. What happened was I had finished Phantom Limb. It was on the way to being published, and I experienced a version of what I was telling you about in New York. I had been so involved in that book and also in the aspects of it that had to do with the past on many levels, that I found myself unable to see the present. Couldn't see what was around me with that thrill of the eye, shimmering presence of the world. No, it wasn't there. Everything was dull. I took myself to San Miguel de Allende. At that point, we had bought a house there and have had one for 25 years. So that sabbatical was pretty important. And (laughs) that obviously meant something to you. (laughs) Earthquake, sabbatical, hope. So I decided I would do something very nice, which was get up, read some chapters in a particular book that had to do with both poetry and a kind of Buddhist approach to life, but very much about being present. And then I'd go for a little walk, and I would have absolutely no goal in mind, no destination. I would just walk. And one day, doing that, I stood in front of a window, and I said, out of nowhere, I want to take a photograph. I ran to the town square. At that point, it was 1998. There was not anything available but a disposable I went Mm -hmm. back, I stood in front of the window, taking the picture of what was in front of me. When I got it back, if you remember those days when we would develop pictures at a... Who knew what you would get? (laughs) Yes, those days. I saw that there were things in the picture. When I got the image back, I saw something in it that I had not intended. 
Mm. There were the things in the window. There was an old vase of flowers. There was, it was a very, it was a, a shop of old things. And so things were side by side that didn't make sense if you were really trying to sell them. But there was also a picture of a man on a roof, crouched down with his arm looking as though he might be hammering. And mm -hmm. everything was on one plane. You didn't know what was inside and what was outside. And in fact, yes. that man was behind me. But the disposable camera, and here is how, again, luck and all kinds of things entered. The disposable camera has no depth of field. So mm -hmm. without depth of field, everything appears on the same plane. And because it only has automatic focus, it can be, as it was here, not super sharp. And that made the image very beautiful, actually, assuming you like blur, a little bit of blur, and more to the point, less blur than more intermingling. There were not sharp borders. And that became my way of seeing for quite a while, even as I, and now I'm going to quote somebody who said this phrase about herself, even as I fell up the stairs, because it turns out that I love photography. It came much more easily than writing. I still write. I am a side-by-sider, not a one-to-the-other. But photography just became a whole lot of joy. And I did graduate to an iPhone, and I had work in Aperture, and I had shows actually all over the world in rather a short period of time. And a book called Overspilling World, which that's the first book, not this new one. And that book, that quote is really about a kind of abundance and that interpenetration that I was talking about. It's the frames don't have a focal point. They're not asking you to say, look at this, sharp, sharp, sharp. This is not mm -hmm. as important. Blur, blur, blur. If you can't do that, the entire frame becomes of interest, becomes part of a whole. And that really became what I did and still do, although not as much at all, uh, for years and years. And it developed into a kind of philosophy of seeing and a philosophy of life. And that is the chapter where I am now, other than to say that three years ago, my husband stepped down after those three decades. And so our mm -hmm. lives are not bound up with a college. They're bound up with many other things. His things, which are not to the point here, but he certainly had another chapter. <laughs> and mine, which is really about, about working, about doing all those things that I've already said I love to do. And during COVID, I was compelled and I do not know why, other than to say maybe it was a late life blooming to go out into the street with my iPhone 10. I, I worked my way up. <laughs> and I, uh, I took photographs of, not of people, it began with photographs of emptiness, because that's what the streets were like between March mm -hmm. 20 and March 21. And then what I realized is that it wasn't emptiness, that there were human presences, and I found them in objects. And an example, 
stepping off a curb one morning, very hot morning, early in the morning, I looked down and I saw a thread of water on the gutter below the curb. And suddenly it was full of light, it itself, only it. And in point of fact, it was just about sunrise. The sun had risen enough to give me that light. And the image ends up actually looks like an abstraction, which is not what I'm a painting. I wasn't trying for it, but it's the portrait. And the top is the street, but you don't see it as street. You just simply see it as texture. And below mm -hmm. is the sidewalk. And then in the center is this beautiful line of light. So everything I photograph, I don't want it to be documentary. And documentary photography is a great and honorable tradition. But I wanted to have that something more. That's always what I'm looking for. So this book I've been walking is really a book of photographs of the human traces during the pandemic and all the emotions and that are engaged with that. In a way, it almost seems like you came full circle, too, in the sense that you were coming from New York, such a walking city, yeah. and to come to L.A. and be forced to drive everywhere and relearn what it means to drive, and then to suddenly be walking again, walking through this emptiness, not emptiness. There's a beautiful 360, in a way, to that. There is one other thing, and that is when my husband stepped down after the three decades we left what I call the pres-res, which is shorthand for president's residence, and mm. moved elsewhere. And we could have gone anywhere. We could have gone back to New York, whatever. We chose downtown Los Angeles, little Tokyo. We're very close to the arts district, which pre-COVID was very exciting and will be again, and very close to Skid Row. It's intensely urban, and it says walk. So the Los Angeles that I'm showing, even though it's other parts than downtown, was initiated. It's not the Los Angeles you usually think of. I'm not walking down Sunset Boulevard taking pictures of enormous billboards. It's much more intimate. People have called my work in general a visual poem. You could say it is or it isn't, but I like to think of it that way. And it came from yet another turning point, the chapter in Little Tokyo, where we are living very differently with our two dogs, and it works. Actually, I did write down two quotes that I really loved that people said about I've Been Walking, which, a visual poem of the everyday and your tribute and hymn to your city, which I thought was really, because I do think that the, the photos feel like a tribute to LA. Like I said, there's something LA about them. So yeah. Well, I love hearing that. And I must say for any of you who make work and for any of you, period, I didn't start out to write a tribute or a hymn to the city. I started out, emptied out, not looking, not seeking. In fact, in the introduction I write for this book, I talk a little bit about the difference between seeking and seeing. And mm. I have done both. But in this case, I was not seeking. Things came at me. It was almost as though I was being given these photographs. 
And then, of course, the part that's so much fun is coming back, looking at the photographs, printing them out, seeing what goes together. Is it, could it be a book? Is it a book? Oh, yes, it is a book. Oh, thank you. Uh, lovely. You're going to publish it. But <laughs> it all started with that. Yeah. And if it's a hymn and a tribute, how great. Especially since it does seem that you've taken that love for New York and now you really do love L.A. We've thought about all these other places we could go naturally after all that time here. And it turns out that our life is here, which means loving it and sometimes hating it, but knowing that the web of connections that we have, we can't go out without running into a former student or a faculty member, and that's just fun. That just keeps a continuity And I certainly wouldn't want to start over at this point in life. But there are days, and this is counterintuitive for those of you who think L.A. is all glare and cars, where the city is so beautiful. The light is so remarkable. You can go to places where the landscape is natural and exquisite. I mean, it's everything. It's inexhaustible. And so I... I'm quite committed, not to exhausting it, but for (laughs) doing a lot with it. Yes. So I did ask you about a quote, and you've said a couple quotes during the episode, but I'm wondering if you have another quote you would like to share with us today that kind of wraps up maybe your experience or your view on life. You probably won't be able to use this. The first thing that I thought of in this... (laughs) This relates to the book, so in one sense it's good. It goes back to when I was in high school, and it was what we used to call World Civ, and there was a fire alarm. And the teacher somehow just chose not to pay attention to it. And we all sat there, and one of the boys in the class, who was clearly a leader, I think he became a writer too, stood up and said these words, When in doubt, walk out. And we all got up and we followed him. (laughs) So if you translate that not to a fire, but to going forward in one's life, having an active, engaged life, that is what popped into my mind. So you have it. I actually prefer that to something that just happens to be somebody famous said it and you don't relate to it. It does seem like that quote does sum up you, what you've done. You've gone inward when you've needed. You've literally walked outside when you need it. It's perfect. It does. Thank you, that mysterious boy in Mr. Dobrosis. I can't believe his name just came back to me. Class at Brookline High School. Thank you. I love it. So I feel like I have an idea where next, because it seems like you're happily settled now in little Tokyo and planning to stay. But what do you think the next chapter holds? Oh, I wish I could answer that. On my desktop, there is an icon, a file, I guess, that says, after I've been walking. And... I haven't really looked at it yet. What I have done is, I think, amass almost enough photographs in the interval between I've been walking and now for a new book. But Mm -hmm. numerically, that's not so interesting. What is interesting is to look at them and say, what am I thinking about? What do I want to say? What holds this together as a body of work? 
I don't know the answer to that. I do know that the other day, something I hadn't done in years, a poem popped out. And I'm actually, well, a poem popped out. I want to write more poems. I want to write more essays. I'm, I'm really not a fiction writer. I'm not I'm a storyteller when I'm with people, but I'm not on the page, and I know what I can and cannot do. But I think I'm going to read you this poem because it's short enough. And the reference is obvious because there is a reference to something that happened recently. It's called, I Too Am a Capsule. That's what I woke up thinking this morning when the news of Bezos came up on my screen feeling my arm to contain all the various things of which I know so little, but that they are there under the skin that carries me from place to place. In a familiar world of strange things, there's the cyclist going around every day at the intersection of First and Main, wearing a helmet with large white horns. He's harmless, is what is said of him. Good timing, I slide past and into the garage where I must come to a stop. Van races in front of the car, wearing a t-shirt with fire on the back. To meet a girl stumbling toward him, carrying a large carton on which is written fire. Is there a fire in the building? It wouldn't be the first time, not by a long shot. But no, so far so good. A few evenings ago, We watched a film about Bruce Chatwin. The director follows in the steps of the late nomad. Isn't it enough to be so on this earth? Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) As it says in the poem, is that... Did, was it just there in the morning? It was a Fantasia moment now that I think about it. Yeah. I hadn't had one of those for a long time. No, I just read it, read the news, and I looked down at my arm, at my forearm, and I suddenly saw it as this capsule that wasn't going out into space. And I revised it, I think, only once or twice, and that was a gift. I would love to have more such gifts. However, in the very short run, on Tuesday, I'm going back to San Miguel, where I hope to empty out after this last year. All the photos of the book I've been walking were taken in one year, and the production. I want something new to enter, and I don't know what it is, but I trust that it will. That's exciting, though, the anticipation of what's next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the best. It's the next chapter. It is the next chapter. So that sounds like a perfect time for me to say thank you so much for sharing your chapters with me. You're welcome. I will put all your information in the show notes so people would know where to find your book and know where to find your website. And thank you so, so much for joining me. Thanks again for listening. The second chapter is just getting started. So your subscriptions and five-star reviews mean so much. The second chapter is brought to you by Slackline Productions, a production company dedicated to redressing the balance of women's stories being told and who's telling them, with a specific focus on women 35+. For more about Slackline, visit slacklineproductions.co.uk. Thanks again.